Hey there. Welcome to 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. I'm Lindsay, and I'm joined by my co-host and real-life partner, Carling. We're diving into the 90s hit drama through today's lens. Get ready for our off-the-cuff commentary and peeling back the layers of the Camden family. We'll tackle everything from family rules, life lessons, and 90s fashion. Join us every week for a light-hearted queer perspective and a trip down memory lane. Whether you're a die-hard fan or new to the show, this recap is for you. So find us anywhere you get your podcasts at 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. And started screaming and crying for my dad to come look at the computer. She started screaming, somebody's raising our kids. Hey, Michelle. Hey, Carling. How are you? I'm good. We're sitting on a bed together. We are. <laughs> it's been a while. We <laughs> we ran out of chairs and we're in my house. And so... We're sitting on my bed. It is your bed. It's our yes. little futon that we had pulled out for you. I heard you had other people in my bed this weekend and I yeah. don't think I appreciate that. They were testing it out. Well, they right. wanted to make sure it was okay. They said it was very comfy. All right. Yeah. <laughs> How are you? I'm Okay. I think. Great. Everybody enjoy the show. Yeah. Da, 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 da. <laughs> da, 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 da. Um, yeah. I don't know. Great. What happened? What did happen? I didn't see you all week because... Yeah. Or weekend because we had like a big family Christmas thing. You did. And so I really don't know how your week was. How do I get Lindsay's mom to adopt me and my five children into your family? Yeah. Barb, if you're listening and you're open to another daughter and five five children (laughs) hit me up yeah um i don't know but we did go to the wave pool on sunday Mm -hmm. and i thought how fun would it be for us to go like yeah oh for sure but then also how terrifying would it be because when those waves come yeah i'm not a big fan of the waves I, it's fun for the first 30 seconds because yeah. you're like, whoa, whoa, and you're going to jump every time. And then 30 seconds in, I'm yeah. like, okay, this, okay. This, this can go away now. Somebody's bumping into me. Yeah. And you're getting jostled around. Yeah. Somehow I kept ending up deeper and deeper and like, I'm not the strongest swimmer. Yeah. I'm, I'm and like, it's super deep. Yeah. Super deep. Meanwhile, people, kids, everybody jumping off the yeah. side into the waves. Yeah. Absolutely not. No. Mm-mm. I hated it. Uh, the first 30 seconds great and they it, like i wish it was more frequent but not as long right like yeah. can we have very long three minutes of waves every 20 minutes yeah 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 but it's like 10 minutes of waves every 30 minutes it's a lot i went all the time when we first moved here because mm. my parents would literally just drop me and my brother off what like we were like 13 and 15 i guess so yeah um but they would go like house shopping and oh, whatever yeah. and then drop us off there so we would go all the time there was um, no cell phones like did they just trust that you'd yeah, be they alive just pick and us up or we would call them on a pay phone oh, like call them where that did they have a cell phone i don't remember i don't know when yeah we survived yeah i mean here you are <laughs> you made it yeah but no i'm not a fan of it anymore Wow. Too old for the waves. Somebody at my work was telling me the West Ed Mall, um, it's like a giant wave pool and they do like uh, like concerts. So they'll like dim the lights, serve alcohol, and then on the shore, like on the side, is like a DJ or a band. 
And the last time they did it, three people died. I was going to say, how many people have died? Yeah, well, at least three this last time. Like, that's three too many. Well, and there shouldn't be a next time. Yeah, true. (laughs) Also that. That should be the only time. Yeah. Organizers of this, please, if you're listening, maybe don't do it. Oh my gosh, that's awful. Yeah, like, the whole time I was stressed out for the lifeguards. Yes. Because I was like, do you see me? Do you see everybody else? Are, like... I was going to say, we're just worried about you. (laughs) (laughs) There was a point where my, like, I couldn't touch the ground anymore. And then, like, a wave, like, hit me in the face. Oh, no. And I was like, okay, like, this is how I go. This is how I go. I guess. Yeah. Somebody will have to carry on the podcast with you. Let me tell you, if you died in a wave pool, tragic wave pool accident, I would, I would burn the place to the ground. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. And the water may hinder that, but I will find a way to burn that place to the ground. I will avenge your death. You're just out there with buckets, first emptying it Absolutely. and then lighting it on fire. Absolutely. Wow. It, it would happen. Yeah. I spent my weekend um, cleaning and purging mm-hmm. and throwing things away and donating, trying to get rid of literally everything and every shred of toys we have before Christmas starts. Yeah. We went through... Took a big dent out of the stuffies. Ooh. I know. That's a big one because those goddamn stuffies. Oh, God. Julia's like a stuffy hoarder. Yeah. And I was like, we're going to have to get rid of some. She's like, oh, yeah, totally. But then everyone I held up, she's like, no. No, that's not your one. I was like, oh, okay. We need, I've seen like, in episodes of Hoarder where yeah. they're like, I can get rid of anything anytime. Oh, totally. And then they hold up a newspaper from 1972 yeah. and they're like, not that one. Not that one. Yeah. Are you crazy? Yeah. The best thing I ever saw on Hoarders was the guy was like helping her go through things and then he found an ashtray and there were mouse droppings in it and she's like I can just watch that out and he's like if I took a sh- sorry I'm gonna say that <laughs> if I pooped in this bowl and washed it out would you still use it I'm like yeah and did she say yeah well no because nobody would do that right yeah so why would you let a mouse poop in a bowl yeah. And think it would be okay after you cleaned it out. Yeah. It's the same thing. Yeah. Poop anyway. is poop. Right? That's <laughs> interesting. Sorry, guys. <laughs> no, I mean, that's where this conversation went. All I'm saying is don't be a hoarder. Yeah. Don't be a stuffy hoarder. I. No, I got nothing. <laughs> We talked out of order. We talked sort of about my weekend amidst your week. Tell me more about your weekend. Do you have anything more to say? To no, share? No. the class? No. All right. But we are getting ready to... So our... I felt really cathartic doing our last Patreon episode. Where yes. we kind of talked about a life update and there were some like crazy things that happened. Can't mention it on the main feed for legal reasons. There were some tears shed. They're <laughs> trying to edit it. So we talk about my dog, Tony, who just passed away a couple of weeks ago unexpectedly. The amount of kind messages and feedback yes. people have sent yes. has been so nice. And then one of our patrons made a donation to the Humane Society in Tony's name. Cutest thing ever. So I, like, I think I've gone one day without crying. Yeah. But then I like opened my email, saw this, sobbed. Yeah. Had to edit the Patreon, just listening to myself sob, sobbed. <laughs> and then sitting on my kitchen table is a, ba- a bag that I can't open yet. 
Uh, it's from his his daycare from Sleep Rover. Oh. And they like put together a little package and like I can't open it because no. I'm gonna sob. So I gotta wait until you guys leave tonight and like I'm had a few drinks and then I'll I'll open it up. Oh, drunk sobbing. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's me. Fun. Yeah. So if you need a good cry, if you ever wanted to hear Carlin cry, oh yeah. <laughs> Although what's funny is I've told a lot of my own personal stories of trauma on the Patreon. Yeah. I think the only time I cried was talking about Tony. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But speaking of crying, whew, we are getting set uh, next week to record and post your part three of your story. <sighs> Buckle up. Yeah. So I know we talk about the Patreon every time, but I think, well, we, we're always going to talk about the Patreon. So the Patreon is a membership-based... Membership. Membership. <laughs> It's a membership-based membership, <laughs> and it's for as little as $5 a month. You get access to two bonus episodes a month. Mm-hmm. You'll never hear them on the main feed, and we tell our own, like, deepest, saddest, most traumatic stories, mm-hmm. and we are just heading into part three of your story. Yeah. The first two were real easy going. Yeah, we were, like, dipping our toe, just, like, getting, testing mm-hmm. the water. This one is going to be really difficult. Yeah. I've been thinking about it a lot, mm-hmm. how I want to shape the story, mm-hmm. but uh, this is something that I've never talked about with anyone publicly unless it's a close friend or family. Yeah. Like you haven't been on Oprah. I've never... No. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's coming. Yeah. But like, I've never... Uh, posted on social media, anything like yeah. that, kind of the ins and outs and details of everything. Yeah. So yeah, it's gonna. Be... But are you finding it okay? Like, yeah, I think it's time. Yeah, I think it's time because I I do want to go a little bit more public with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's a good way to kind of do that. Yeah. Um, I think me going public with it will do a lot of good and can help people. Yeah. And that's ultimately what I want to do. It's just taken a really long time for me to get there. Yeah. Um, Trauma's gonna trauma. Right? So, yeah. It'll be good. Yeah. But you have to be there with me. Oh, yeah. No, I'm gonna be there. Um, Great. Well, uh, this week we are chatting with the adorable Liz. Are you okay? (laughs) I rubbed my eyes and then my contact did that thing where it like... Like, goes, when goes I, behind. Okay, listen, me and Lindsay were climbing the stairs to do a water slide on Sunday. Yeah. And she was like, oh, there's it feels like there's a hair in my eye. And I was like, oh, yeah. So I just went to, like, wipe it away from her temple. And I could see it move her contact. Ooh, yeah. And I was like, nope, I'm out. Nope. I'm not. What's going to happen if your contact falls out? <laughs> and we're up however far up towards yeah. the top of the... yeah. Anyway, we talked to the lovely Liz. Yes. Uh, she's so sweet. And she reached out to us wanting to tell her story and feeling like she's always wanted to sort of share it publicly. Yeah. Uh, it's a really interesting perspective. She was adopted as an older child. Yes. And put in, she went through foster care and has a lot of memories from that. And I think you don't hear that perspective very often. No, it was super fascinating to hear about a child being adopted who like literally remembers yeah. going through everything. Yeah. So, no, she, it was great to talk to her and, yeah. yeah. So let us know what you think of the episode. Absolutely. All right, bye. Okay, bye.
Lizzie. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Good, thanks. Good, we're so stoked to talk to you today. I am so excited. <laughs> Yay, that's awesome. Um, I love interviewing people that reached out to us. You filled out um, yes. one of our forms online. Yes. And I lo- like I love interviewing everybody, but I'm just like, I don't know, it feels it feels nice. Well, I'd never um, reached out to anybody kind of bigger to tell my story. Like a lot of my friends, um, they know my story and I talk very openly about um, what's happened to me in the past. Like it's not a secret. Yeah. Um, so uh, that has made it so it was a lot more comfortable for me to talk about it. But I always wanted to speak about it on like a little bit of a larger platform. So when I saw that on your Instagram story, I was like, might as well like you know, just try it out, see if they respond. And I think you guys responded like a couple days later. And I was like in shock. Um, so excited. I was like, this is going to be amazing. Oh my <laughs> God. We're, We're so excited. So, yeah. Yeah. Why don't we jump right in? Can you maybe sure. introduce yourself and then yeah. we'll get into your story? Yeah. So I'm Liz Walker. Um, I am a 22 year old Canadian from Ontario. Um, I currently live uh, on my own. Um, but I have, uh, it's my mom, my dad, and my three brothers who I live with. And I was adopted at eight years old, which is wow. a little bit older than, um, actually quite a bit older than a lot mm-hmm. of people usually would be. And yeah. I was adopted with my biological brother who was two years younger than I am. So um, we spent about uh, five years in the foster care system. Um, I spent three years in the uh, birth home. Uh, he spent about a year and a half before we were removed from the home. Wow. And then uh, we met my parents, uh, who I will be referring to as, like, if I refer to someone as my parents, that's my adoptive parents, yeah, my mom right. and dad. Yeah. Um, I met my parents when I was uh, seven. Uh, and I got wow. adopted by them when I was eight. So wow. was it like a foster to adopt? No. So okay. um, the foster family that we had uh, was a completely different family. Um, we actually had a failed adoption in the mix as well. So there was oh. uh, another home that we were supposed to go to um, that we were sent back to foster care from. And uh, I'll get into that a little bit more. But yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so we returned to the foster home. So we've had two foster homes. Uh, one failed adoption, one permanent adoption, and a family home. So that brings my total of parents up to five. I've had wow. five different sets of parents in my wow. life. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And like, you're so young. Yeah. That all yeah. happened before you were eight. Yeah. That all, like, uh, I had four sets of parents before I was um, three. Wow. Wow. Or uh, bef- uh, three sets before I was three, four sets before I was six. Yeah. And yeah. do you remember your birth home? I, uh, so there's two typical responses that comes with, uh, trauma in children, um, which one is, uh, repress and forget. Mm-hmm. And the other is, uh, excruciating memorization. Oh. Um, I have excruciating memorization. Oh. I remember very specific things from when I was a year and a half, two years old, three years old that like, I shouldn't have memory of, but because it was so traumatic, it's always in my brain. Wow. Yeah. Um, not the easiest thing to go through your life with, especially considering the fact that a lot of these things were repressed for a very long time. And it took a very long time for me to recognize that it wasn't dreams I was having. It was memories that those were things that happened to me. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That happened. Uh, we talked to, uh, one of our guests, Teresa, who is a familial sex trafficking survivor. And she, it wasn't until she was out of her home and in college that she was like, oh, 
And then yeah. all of these memories came back. That must be so terrifying. Yeah, it, it definitely was. And especially because um, uh, I was in school for nursing. So we had to take a uh, psychology and an abnormal psychology class. And in that psychology class, they kind of talked about uh, this thing called Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. Um, and if you don't know what that is, I would definitely recommend you Google it afterwards. Mm-hmm. But it's basically just stating, like, in order for us to feel secure and to be allowed to be ourselves, we need this certain hierarchy of needs, which means there's base level needs that you need to have before you can move on to the next ones. So, like, um, safety, shelter, food, water. And then the next ones are things like, um, are you cared for? Are they paying attention to you? Like certain things so that you can, um, reach your actualization as a person. Um, and it wasn't until I was sitting there in this college class that I broke down crying, realizing Mm -hmm. that I didn't have that, that that's what, that's what separated me so much. Like that's what was I was struggling with that's why I was struggling is because I didn't have that base set and nobody ever set that out for me yeah oh that's so hard and that was two years four years ago four years ago (laughs) yeah so I've had a lot of time to process that Um, thanks brain (laughs) yeah exactly but uh a, a lot of the stuff um I remembered uh, and and stuff that I would just like casually bring up to my parents that they would be like, um, what? Like you went through that? Like it was, it was like some of the stuff, like one of the, one of the stories I wasn't even like, it was a story that I had to be told. Um, And it wasn't until I was told that story that I remembered moments like flashbacks, memories of that specific time. And the only reason that we had that account of it was because there was a police report on it. And because there was a police report on it, my parents had read it because they had read my entire file before they had adopted us. Um, Even still, there was a lot of things that wasn't in our file. I will say that. Um, CAS does their best, but they obviously can't read children's minds to know what they've gone through. It's honestly, a lot of it is observation and word of mouth. Um, But when you're talking to a three-year-old about possible neglect, like mm-hmm. you don't know what that is. Um, so, so uh, what were the circumstances that you were removed from the home to begin with? Ooh. Um, so my birth parents were, uh, abusive alcoholics, drug addicts, uh, and they would frequently leave us alone. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, it wasn't, they had, uh, so I, sorry. Um, my birth mother had an older daughter, um, already. And my birth father had older sons. Um, so I had a half sister living with me in the home, but she was frequently in and out of foster care while we stayed in the home. Oh, wow. Oh, interesting. So there was times in my life where she would be gone and I just didn't know why she was gone. And then looking back at it now, I was like, oh, it's because she was taken to foster care. But then why weren't we? Yeah. You know? Um, so, yeah. So that the the terms of why we were actually removed from the home, um, we were removed in an emergency situation. The police were called um, because my parents were physically fighting each other. Oh, wow. um, and my father had hit my brother mm. and I had tried to run outside to get a neighbor um, 
to call someone to get some help because I was scared and they tried to like pull me back into the house so the neighbor the neighbor came into the house um pulled me and my brother into her arms and called the police and then she set us in the back of the police car and that was the last time I lived with my parents oh and sorry you were three years old Yes. Oh my gosh. I can't imagine. Yeah. I uh, still have the memory of like sitting up in the police car and turning behind me Uh to see my dad and my mom screaming at the cops and standing there and there was cop cars everywhere as this cop drove us away. Oh my gosh. Wow. And then, so do you remember going, I always feel so, I don't know, sad for kids when they like that transition of getting taken away and then going to a stranger's house, a foster house. Mm-hmm. That uh, that initial memory is a little bit blurry for me um, because uh, I, w- I was pretty young. I, I do remember them. Um, we weren't there for long. This was the, the first foster care that home that we went to. And uh, in this home, we were living with our half-sister. Um, so, but it was it was extremely abusive as well. Um, mm. they used to lock my brother in a closet if he cried, oh, um, gosh. at a year and a half. And if we were watching TV, we were supposed to sit on the floor, crisscross, silent, not make a sound, staring at the TV. And if we talked to each other, we would get in trouble. We weren't allowed to play in each other's rooms. We weren't allowed to basically talk to each other at all. Um, and it wasn't until our foster care worker, um, had noticed that, uh, something was physically off with us that the foster parents uh blamed my half-sister for the physical abuse and she was removed from the home and then we were removed uh I think it was a couple weeks later when they realized that the the physical issues didn't stop so we were removed to another foster care home at that point it blows my mind how like I think this is a very common story and it blows my mind that people can get their foster care license it's a cash grab. Yeah. It's a cash grab mm-hmm. because um, we from the government get an allowance. Um, being children of the court, uh, ward of the court, we get um, money that is not only sent to the foster parent for being a foster parent, but we get an allowance that's put on top of that that's supposed to help take care of things like food, clothes for us, toys for us, like things that we need. And uh, it was so much easier for them to just like take it. And they completely took advantage of it. So um, after that, we were moved to another foster care home and we lived with them until uh, we got adopted. So about uh, about five years, four years, something like that. Wow. And so you must have memories of being there. Yeah, of course. Uh, I remember them quite vividly. In fact, I'm still friends with uh, my foster sister. Um, Uh. I talk to her quite frequently or I used to. we're friends on Facebook, so I see them. I get to see her kids growing up. It's it's really cool. Wow. And do you, why didn't they adopt you? I don't I don't know how to ask that. Like my brother's autistic. And they oh. didn't want to have an autistic autistic child. Um so they were okay to foster him for 4 years. Yep. Because they they, they wanted to adopt me. They oh. didn't want to adopt him. And see, that was a a common theme. Um, When we went to our first 
uh, adoptive home, that's a similar thing. They found out he had autism, um, which he has Asperger's. It's on the high function side of the scale, but it's just kind of looped into the autism spectrum now. Um, But they found out that he had that and they didn't want a child with autism. So they asked me at six years old if I would be willing to send him back to foster care and stay and be adopted by them. So they asked if I wanted to separate from him. Obviously, I told them no, absolutely not. Like he was the only constant in my life ever. Um, So I told them absolutely not. And we went back to foster care together. Oh, yeah. Awful. Yeah. And so that wasn't the failed adoption, though, right? That was. That was the failed adoption. Oh, okay. Um, So in both cases, it was a case of them wanting to adopt me, but not wanting to adopt him and me being like, absolutely no way that's happening. Yeah. And even for you to be able to say that at such a young age is so... uh, It baffles me that they had the nerve to ask. Absolutely. Yeah. To put that on a kid at such a young age, because if you had said yes, not really understanding the full scope of it, what would that have done as you grow up and you realize what decision you made like you don't have the ability it would have messed with me the rest of my life yeah absolutely so how did it end up that you ended up meeting your family so my parents so I have two older brothers they're my mom's sons um my dad and my mom could never have children together um Mm. they tried everything IVF everything um and it just wasn't working so they decided to look into adopting And my mom was sitting with uh, my older brother at the time on her lap, and she was scrolling down the website. She came across our photo because there was just a photo of us, me and my brother together, and they had uh, our middle names. They didn't have our first names so that we couldn't be tracked. Mm -hmm. They had our middle names, and my mom froze and started screaming and crying for my dad to come look at the computer. She started screaming, somebody's raising our kids. Oh, oh my, oh, I just got chills. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, that's how. <laughs> wow. Um, if that's not a sign. <laughs> yeah. Well, the crazy thing was, is they weren't even accepted to interview to adopt us. Um, Why? they just, it was like, they already, we had been through so much. And my mom had been through so much. My dad had been through so much. So they didn't know if a home with that much history would be a good fit for us. Mm -hmm. Um, So my mom wrote an extremely long letter. And uh, if you know anything about my mom, is my mom, if she's writing, she writes um, front and back multiple pages. (laughs) (laughs) She wrote this extremely long letter to the judge And to our social worker explaining why they should be allowed to interview to adopt us. Why they should be allowed to adopt us. Um, The judge accepted it. Uh, They went into a 13-week training program for children who had been neglected and and abused to understand. It's actually called Pride Training. Oh. Yeah, it's a 13-week program. It's two times a week three-hour classes and they basically teach you everything from attachment disorder depression anxiety self-harm eating disorders like anything that could possibly come up when you are adopting a child who has a past in trauma um and then after that they did an expedited home study um they had to have seven references each um 
seven references each. My mom wow. had to have seven ref- references. My dad had to have seven references. Um, and then, and then they met us for the first time. What was that like meeting them? Oh, it was crazy. So you do, um, what's called supervised visitation, Mm -hmm. uh, for the first three times you meet them and it's in the CAS center. So it was in the city that I was living in and, uh, they came in, um, we were already sitting there in the room you know, it's kind of like the awkward, like, hi, my name is, like, uh, nice to meet you, like, my yeah. favorite color is blah, blah, blah. And then um, they decided we were going to play a board game together. And I was like, okay. So we grabbed one of the board games that was there. And this was, there was this one called, like, Don't Wake Dad. And it's oh. basically, like, you're trying to sneak around this board game and you have to, like, click his, like, bed or something so many times. And then if, it, if you wake him up, you lose the game kind of thing. Right. Um, and we played that. And... I, I, it just, it clicked. Like I, I met my, my older brother for the first time that day. Um, and I met my mom and my dad. I didn't meet my oldest brother yet. Um, but it was just the, the five of us and we just all clicked together. It was so comfortable. And I saw that Devin was comfortable and, you know, they, they were so sweet, so nice. And the look on my mom's face, like I'll never forget it when she saw me and she saw him. Like it was just the biggest. biggest smile and like she she was so excited and I was so excited it was amazing it was a really amazing day (laughs) and how do you kind of let yourself trust somebody after everything you've been through like well you you see I didn't (laughs) (laughs) yeah I would think Um, so I had a uh a mental disorder called attachment disorder Okay, which is typical for children who have been uh, abused in their first four years of life. Mm. Um, it makes it extremely difficult to trust people, to form attachments with people, and especially lasting attachments. Mm-hmm. Um, where I'm not like I could lose this per- person tomorrow and I don't care. Yeah. Um, on the other side of that is though, um, the attachments that I do form are life and death attachments. Mm. And it makes it extremely difficult, um, say, like, a friendship ending or a relationship ending or something like that. Like, that for me was extremely difficult, especially because I hadn't dealt with my attachment disorder at all. Mm -hmm. Um, I had been told for so many years that I had this, but no one ever told me, like, how to to help me with it. Like, it was kind of one of those things that's like, great, I have attachment disorder. Yes, I know I have trust issues. I don't trust you people. Now, how do I get to a point where I can? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, Did you have resources available to you as a child in foster care? Yeah. So in foster care, I went to uh, play therapy. Um, I think I did it every other week or every week. Um, so that's where you go in and you have a therapist who observes how you play. And from that, they can determine like kind of what you're going through and and they can determine um, like how your brain's functioning, how you see family dynamics, how you see different things. um, And it's pretty helpful at this point. Like once I got adopted, I was still doing play therapy. um, But like, I only did it for about six months because I was eight years old at the time. And I was like, 
I don't need to do this anymore. It's play therapy. So I yeah. gave up on that. Um, so I started doing cognitive behavior therapy at nine. And then I stopped doing that too because I don't like therapy. Yeah. <laughs> or I didn't like therapy at the time. And it wasn't mm-hmm. until I was 11 um, that I got a behavior specialist, uh, specialist sorry, um, for attachment disorder to talk to me. But even then, like, it was supposed to be family therapy, but it wasn't really working out. Mm. Um, so we just kind of stopped doing that, but yeah, there was resources available for us. Um, I think the best thing about play therapy that I ever did, uh, is my therapist, uh, sat me down. Um, and every week at the end of the session of play therapy, we would have to write a little bit and she would help me type out. And her goal from the start to finish of my therapy was to create a book that I could look back at, at some point in my life and understand what had happened to me from my perspective. Wow. So I still have it. (laughs) Um, It's heartbreaking to read. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of fear. Because you were just so little. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) No, I can't even imagine like I look at you know my nieces and nephews who are around that age and I can't even imagine yeah um and that book is one of the only reasons like I said I have the account of um some of the incidents that happened to me yeah um because it was really important for her to put in my own words why I wasn't with my birth parents Mm -hmm. because as a kid that's so hard for you to understand yeah, because Absolutely. every representation is always you're with your family, right? Like that's exactly. all you know. Exactly. Um, and, you know, I had never known anybody that had gotten adopted. There wasn't yeah. any representation in the media of people being adopted. Like you didn't see a Disney princess getting adopted by someone and then, mm-hmm. you know, going on to live her princess life. Yeah. It was, you know, she always had her family. And I was like, okay, then where's mine? Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, my gosh. But anyways, uh, so I wrote that book and uh, forgot about it. Didn't find it again until I was uh, 20. (laughs) Uh, And then my niece, who's uh, almost 14 years old now, um, she asked me to read it. Wow. And of course, like I had my brother read it first, um, who's her her father, and was like, you know, if you're not comfortable, like, let me know and I'll... um, I'll like tell her like not now kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he was comfortable with it and she read it and she like, it was one of those moments and I've had those moments with her father before where you could just see the understanding. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm so grateful for in my family is yeah. because they've always been so open to seeing my perspective. Like, yeah. uh, I remember this one time I was out with my brother, my older brother, and my niece was maybe about four, five, maybe. And we were eating and we were talking about my adoption. And he was like, you know, was it hard for you to, to say goodbye to your birth parents? Because I was still visiting them until I was five. Oh, um, okay. interesting. Yeah. So we still had supervised visitation until I was five years old. Um, and he was like, was it hard to say goodbye to them? And I remember looking at him and being like, you tell me, look at your daughter right now. And you tell me if you could get told that you never get to see her again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, 
you you tell me like if I went to Gabby right now and said this is it this is the last time you ever get to see your father yeah like <laughs> think about yeah. that for a second and let it answer your question exactly. kind of thing yeah. um and it was one of those moments where like his eyes really opened up and he recognized like how difficult mm-hmm. it was um, and did your birth so your birth parents were uh like it was st- reunification was still an option for a couple of years yes and no um on the only reason that they kept it open is because my mom was fighting for rights. Um, she was trying really, really hard to fight for rights because she believed that she deserved them. Yeah. She did. She did not. Yeah. <laughs> um, my father, my birth father, I will give him an ounce of credit and that's all he's getting um, is he signed over his legal rights to me and my brother once we were taken because he recognized that we could get a better life somewhere because yeah. he was a foster kid. Oh, wow. He was a foster kid that was never adopted. And so he signed over his legal right. He gave up the fight for us. It was just our birth mom who was constantly fighting. Like, our dad was still grateful to see us for the time that he could see us. Don't get me wrong. But uh, he recognized that what he was doing was not how you raise children. But then he went back and, you know, like, later just wrecked all of that so i <laughs> have no respect for him yeah um wow. and yeah when, when you're eight or seven how do you remember how it's presented to you that uh like okay lizzie you're gonna be meeting this family and maybe they're gonna adopt you oh gosh they give you a photo album oh they they ask your uh your adoptive parents your possible adoptive parents to put together a photo album for you to get to know your life to get to know where you've been what you've done um your family and stuff like that I still have my photo album my brother still has his photo album um because my mom left the last pages blank so that we could fill them together we just haven't had a chance to do that yet so I want to uh pull together photos and fill our photo albums at some point um through the years you know yeah and uh so we got this giant photo album they customized it with stickers and and they got to know like our favorite colors and you know they were asking all these personal questions to our foster parents so that they could get to know us and then you know they had dogs and cats and I you know I saw my grandparents and my cousins and my aunts and my uncles and it was just I had this huge family all of a sudden and I was holding it and like in my hands And of course, I was like, yes, I want to meet these people because, Mm -hmm. you know, like this is just this was everything I was looking for. This giant welcome open community and having older brothers like I thought that would be amazing because then someone would would be there to look out for me. You know, like I didn't have to be the oldest anymore. Yeah. Um, And I always wanted older brothers. Yeah. Mm. So it was amazing. And mine was purple. Devin's was yellow. I still remember. And they got us, um, they gave us these little pocketbooks too, so that we could keep them with us. So we could carry around pictures of our family with us. And uh, I still have that as well. (laughs) So then what happens after your first meeting with them? It sort of decided that like, okay, yeah, it's a good fit. So after your first meeting, um, you sit down with your, uh, so we have a, uh, 
it's called a social worker. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a social worker and we sit down with her and she's like, do you want to get adopted by these people? Do you want them to be your mom and dad? And we basically say yes or no. So if I had said no in that moment, nothing would have gone further. We right. would have never seen them again. Yeah. Um, but of course, I'm looking at this huge family, this huge opportunity for me and my brother, these people that are so nice. And of course, I said yes. And I'm so grateful that I did because um, these we were only ever shown two photo albums one from the first failed adoption and one from this one. Mm -hmm. And you could even tell the difference in the effort put into the photo albums that like my parents wanted us. Yeah. And it was such a deep rooted want. And, uh, and I loved, I loved that feeling. I loved, you know, as a kid who all you want is to be wanted. Mm -hmm. That feeling is amazing. To have someone look at you and be like, you are exactly what I want. Yeah. Were they looking specifically for older sibling sets? Uh, no, they were just just looking, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't know if they wanted a boy or they didn't know if they wanted a girl. Like, my mom always wanted a girl. Um, and then when they saw us, um, they were like, it, you know, it just, it clicked. Like, there was no doubt in her mind. Um even even so much so that when they found out that we had an older sister, um, they tried tracking her down to adopt her as well. Oh, um, wow. They had the conversation of, because I was eight, she's eight years older than I am. She was 16 at the time. Wow. Um, and he, uh, they sat down and were like, do we really want to adopt a teenager? Like, we're j- like, my brother, my older brother was just starting his teen years. <laughs> They were like, do we really want to bring a teenage girl into the mix of this? Like, that would be crazy. And then they looked at us and were like, that's their sister. Like, we have to. Yeah. So they reached out. Um, Unfortunately, my sister had run away from her foster home and gone back with my birth parents. At that point in time, she turned 16. The ward of the court closed on her because she was too old at that point and she's been living with them ever since so wow and so she's now in her she's 30 now right yep yep wow and do you have a relationship with any of your birth family (laughs) no yeah (laughs) no um we tried yeah let me preface that my parents one year uh for christmas got me my sister's phone number and that was a crazy experience for me because I've been talking about her for years. Um, you know, like she was my older sister and they got her phone number and I talked to her for the first time in probably eight years. Wow. And, uh, you know, we, we had a few more phone calls. Um, my mom was always in the room. It was always on speaker. My mom wanted to make sure that my sister was not communicating anything back to my birth parents because this is a closed adoption. Therefore, like, they can't contact me, like, at all. Um, So they wanted to make sure that if we were talking to my sister, that she was keeping our information private, that she was keeping our meetings with her private. So we did go and see her a few times. Um, Every time was with my mom, except for the last time I went to see her. Um, And the last time I went to see her, she decided that because my mom wasn't there, she was going to try and spin the story of what had happened to me and my brother to make it look like CAS's fault. Oh, no. And so I sat there silently in shock 
as she's trying to convince my brother, who has no memories yeah. of uh-huh. that home, basically. He has no memories of being that young. Um, and he's very impressionable. Mm-hmm. And she's sitting there trying to convince him that all of this was all a big mistake and all this stuff. And I remember coming home in a rage, flying down the stairs to the basement to see my mom. And I said, I am never going to see her again. Oh, jeez. Uh, found out afterwards that she gave my phone number, updated f- personal photos of me and my brother to my birth parents. She had never kept the promise of keeping oh, no. our identities a secret. Yeah. Uh, hence why like I dye my hair every few months and I get new tattoos and like I never look the same because yeah. they know what I looked like when I was 18. Yeah. You know? And have they tried to reach out to you? Every year since I turned 18. Ugh. Um, hilariously, they reach out to me on the 17th. My birthday's on the 8th. Oh my god, you're like, good <laughs> and job, they're, guys. They're always like, happy birthday. I think we deserve to know this, that, and the other thing about mm-hmm. you. And I would really appreciate if you would actually give us the chance to talk to you, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, every single time, I'm like, report. Yeah. yeah. Screen- screenshot. Uh, 911, what's your emergency? Yeah, uh, can you get someone over here? Because we need to chat. This is criminal yeah. harassment. Yeah. Oh my um, gosh. So I do have a criminal harassment case against them. Wow. Um, because they have been incessantly trying to contact me. Um, and I, you know, at this point, I just, you had nothing better to do with your life. Like, come yeah. on. Um, so like, there's no registered address for them because they don't do anything. Right. (laughs) They don't have any money. Like there's no phone number for them. Like they can't track them down. Yeah. Which Mm. I find ridiculous because I know that town and it's a small town and like, you can definitely track them down there, but whatever. I like at the end of the day, all I want is them for like to leave me alone. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, they have been trying to contact me for ever since I turned 18, trying to reclaim me as their daughter. Right. Um, which wow. is obviously never going to happen. And what about your brother? Do they attempt to contact him? No. Partly because of the reason at how much they tried to contact me, we definitely limited, and I say we as in like my parents definitely limited access to social media and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, because he was so impressionable, whereas like I wasn't as much, so I knew to be careful and I knew to, to be safe and I never used my real name online. Uh, my brother uh, was, you know, like he would have used his real name and so they definitely limited the amount of social media that he was allowed to have. Therefore, I just... I think they were never able to find him on social media, which I'm grateful for. I always wonder, do you remember the transition from leaving your failed adoptive home to your family's home? Like your adoptive family? Yeah, I do. Um, I remember coming back to the foster care home. My foster parents looked at me and said, "Uh, the next time you get sent back, it won't be back here. And I was like, what? Like, yeah, Yeah. like when that adoption fails. Yeah, they said uh, the pretty much the day that we came back in the next time this one fails, we won't be here. You'll be going somewhere else because we need to move on with our life. Because they were upset that you wouldn't. No idea if it was because they were upset that I wouldn't uh, 
stay with them or if it was another reason but they yeah they wanted to move on with their lives afterwards wow that's horrible yeah (laughs) yeah like I don't I would think that I if you know I wasn't going to adopt these kids I would hope for them to have the best yeah I don't know like outcome but I would always feel like I'd want to be there they were also extremely biased against my brother as well Um, and that's, I developed a very helpful skill of being able to project whatever someone wanted to see in me. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was masking the entire time. Like you wanted, um, the perfect pretty princess that likes pink bows and sparkles. Like I'm your girl. You want your, your perfect little Christian girl. I'm here. Like you want Mm -hmm. your good little academics. I'm here. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I just tried to be perfect so that they couldn't hate me because I thought the reason that we were getting sent back was because they didn't like us. So I was just trying so hard to be liked. And because of that, I was able to see what people liked and pull it. Like my foster dad, he was a real big musician. So I leaned into that and I was a huge, huge musician with him. And I got him to like me over it, but I did it. It was a survival instinct. Like, and it was just learned. Like I learned how to do that. It wasn't something that my brother learned how to do. And I had a very, very hard time my entire life unlearning how to do that. Yeah. Like when did you feel comfortable that you could kind of let your guard down with your, with your adopted family? Uh, I think I was 15. Wow. I had been struggling with a lot of mental health issues, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of self-harm, and I just didn't see a way that I was useful anymore. Like I got my brother to safety and he had a happy family and I was like, okay, great. My job is done. Like there's nothing left for me. Yeah. And it wasn't until my mom helped pull me out of that, that I really trusted her. And my dad got sick a year later and he was never the same. So I, I kind of lost him too. Aww. And then it wasn't until I, I think I was 20 again uh, when my mom and I were back in a good spot. Oh, I just, I can't imagine going through something at such a young age. It it, it felt like it never stopped. Yeah. yeah. And, and you're, you always have your guard up. You're always unsure of what's going to happen next. Like when's it, when's the next shoe going to drop? And exactly. how do you feel comfortable where you are ever? Exactly. And you know, mm-hmm. that used to be a running theme. Like if Devin would cry in our, um, new adopted home like I would pinch him and be like shut up you can't do that here like you know like you have to be quiet you can't do that here or they're gonna send us back yeah it was years such a heartbreaking thing to think of a child it was years like that and years and years of my mom basically screaming at it in my face of we're not sending you back you're not going anywhere yeah before I actually believed her yeah Yeah, why would you believe her like exactly (laughs) yeah you had no reason to exactly exactly and that was such like one of those things that was really hard for people to understand is I had no reason and uh uh, just because you are an adult doesn't mean I trust you yeah Mm -hmm. because so far I've been proven that every adult in my life has broken my trust Mm -hmm. absolutely like even stemming all the way back to one of the most traumatic things I've ever done and ever been through you know my birth parents left me and my brother alone for more than seven days, my sister wasn't living with us. So I, at three years old, fed, changed, bathed, and cared for him and myself. Wow. 
for more than seven days. Oh, my yeah. God. And it was, wasn't until we ran out of bread and ketchup, which is what I was feeding him, that I put him in his rain boots and a jacket that was way too big for him in the middle of the winter and walked to where I knew my sister's school was to get help. Oh. And they still kept us in that home. And you were just a baby, like three I was a is baby. A baby. Yeah. Oh my god! And that was one of those. That was one of those memories that I didn't even know I had. Like I, I remember, like I can see myself opening the fridge, and it looks weird because I'm so small. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I'm looking up at everything, and I don't ever remember having to look up at anything in the fridge. So I know I was little. Yeah. And there was purple ketchup in the fridge. <laughs> Which, if you if you remember that, I don't I know do, if that's I do recall. I think so a yeah, Gosh, like yeah. it was like a late nineties thing. Like yeah, it was, it was early two thousands at this point. Where there was purple ketchup in the fridge, and I like purple ketchup was a special dinner ketchup. Like yeah, we used, we used the red ketchup, ketchup first. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, even after that, they they kept us there. And oh my gosh, um, it was one of those things that when you remember it afterwards you're like how yeah like because I you could ask me point blank right now how I did that and I would be like I have no idea no like I can barely feed myself five days a week (laughs) (laughs) uh it, it was one of those things that like my parents knew it and and I I didn't and it wasn't until much later in my life that I realized that all of this all of it came back to like I had PTSD like all of this I was having trauma responses to my past and everything that had gone on like I it was insane (laughs) wow you know my mom my mom and I now she is my everything she gave up everything for us and she fought really really hard to raise us to be good and I like to think that I'm a good person. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think so. But like, even now, like it took me, oh God, I just started therapy a little while ago <laughs> <laughs> for the first time of actually being like, you know, this could, this could be helpful. Like I, I could probably use some help here. Um, yeah. Like determining how to, how to work through these things of like, cause it's not only, um, it's not only uh, clinical depression that you can get diagnosed with, but it's situational depression. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that that could still be weighing on me this many years later. You know, like it's one of those things that um, isn't talked about a lot when you are thinking about a child who, who is older and you're adopting them. They come with their own history. Like you may have a history of where you've lived however many le- years before you decide to get this child, but this child comes with their own lifetime yeah. of history. Like I, I've said it like a lot of times that I've had more than one person's fair share of trauma. Yeah. And I've had more of than one person's fair share of, of hard times, but you know, it, it doesn't mean I get to stop. It doesn't mean I get to, like, I have to keep pushing to prove that they don't have anything against me. Yeah, they've got nothing on me. And, you know, if you want to spend your entire life trying to reach me on a Facebook account I don't use while I'm out living my life, living my best life, like, you go for it. Like, it's, it's one of those things. But I think it's interesting, like when you think about adoption from the adoptive parent side, where it's probably spun a little bit more of like, yes, they've been through something, but now they're safe. And now I have them and now they're going to have a good life. But yeah, it doesn't 
change the past and it doesn't change what they've already been no. through. And you, it's celebrated as as a good thing that you're now in this wonderful loving family, but there's so much baggage and damage that has already yeah. been done that has to be dealt with. Exactly. And like, you can say it's safe to me all you want, but yes. am I going to believe you? No. Yeah, no. Even simple things like moving. Moving gave me so much trauma. Yeah. Moving made me get so anxious because I moved so much in the first three years of my life because they never paid bills. So we Uh, popped over all the time. So every single time I saw a for sale sign on the front of my lawn, I would go into a panic, freak out. And my parents didn't really understand. They were like, we're just, we're just moving. Like it's not that big of a deal. And I'd Uh be like, no, you don't understand. Yeah, It is to me. And it's, you know, little things like that. Hearing this perspective of someone who's grown up adopted like my my grandmother on my father's side never accepted me as her grandchild because oh, I wasn't her father her sons so none of us none of me and my brothers were none of us were her kids yeah um, so far as she was concerned um until my niece came along and then that was her great-grandchild oh, but my we God. still weren't her grandchildren yeah oh. whereas my other grandparents are the light of my life <laughs> and they are so wonderful oh my grandma the first time I saw her she just was like oh my granddaughter my granddaughter she hugged me and oh oh my gosh she's the sweetest woman that's so so special that's amazing do you think do you see yourself do you see yourself having sort of like a heart for adoption or fostering when you're older fostering possibly but I know that I want to uh hopefully carry my own children if I'm able to yeah if not obviously adoption would be a wonderful wonderful um thing to do I think and I have a lot of hesitation with adopting someone like me because I think when you're parenting and you're you're going through the, I've been through this. I've been through this. I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. That doesn't help. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, you tell someone who's been through all this trauma and been through all this stuff. I've been through this. I know what I'm talking about. They're still going to be like, I'm going to do what I'm going to want to, what I'm going to do. And yeah. there's nothing yeah. you're going to do to change that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that would possibly create a, a bit of uh, issues when it comes to parenting. I know more than anyone and I'm speaking very highly of myself right now, <laughs> that I am going to be an amazing parent because uh-huh. I've had four different examples of what not to do. Yeah. Yes. You know, there's, and it comes down to, I want to give my children what I wanted at that age, which is just love. Yeah. Um, and that's something that like, oh, I can't wait to be a mom. <laughs> Yeah. Like I feel like I was put on this planet to be a mom and oh, I can't wow. wait to have kids and I want to have as many as I'm able to, honestly, because I just want to raise good kids and put good people out into the world. And, you know, I, I already know that like my heart is going to be so bursting for love with, for them. Cause like even my niece, my heart is so bursting with love for her. And, uh, it, it's one of those things that's like, I just want to give the love that I wanted. Well, I'm so glad that you reached out to share your story. Yeah, I think. What I'm a unique really perspective. Absolutely. I'm really, really glad that you guys reached back out because I, I honestly think that too. I think it's a, an extremely unique perspective to talk um, as someone who is the adopted one mm-hmm. um, rather than someone who's adopting or who has adopted um, 
because even talking to other people, like my my mom, uh, she has two friends, a wonderful, wonderful couple who just adopted two sons uh, around the same age that me and my brother were when oh. we were adopted. And even talking to them about my experience, it's it's been at least they told me it was really helpful to to see this perspective of someone who's grown from that because I I always said that there's there was two paths that my life could have possibly taken one where I use everything that's happened to me as an excuse and just sit on my ass mm-hmm. and don't do anything mm-hmm. and the other where I live and I thrive in spite of the fact that everyone tried to stop me yeah absolutely yeah that is so true so that's the way I kind of try and look at it now I do a lot of things out of spite. <laughs> um, just going to say that I do. I, I live on spite. I thrive on spite. But um, I live to prove them wrong. That's so amazing. Well, thank you for sharing your story and your perspective yes, with us. Thank it's been you amazing. so much for having me. Absolutely. Yeah, I love this. What a what a good ending to this story. Absolutely. Yes, thank you so much. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Yeah, yes, you, you too. too. Enjoy your Christmas tree that you put yes, up. Yes, oh, yeah. thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, we'll talk to you later. All right, sounds good. Bye. Bye. Michelle, wakey, wakey. You filled me with alcohol. Okay, we should say you're not yawning because of the episode. No, oh my gosh, no. We are recording this outside of the episode, and I gave her alcohol, and I I always do that, and it makes you sleepy. Literally one drink. I'm such a lightweight. Is it only since you had kids? No, alcohol's always made me sleepy. Oh. That's why I don't drink it, because I'm tired all the time anyways. I don't want to be more tired. Yeah, okay, I need that's a fair. stimulant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I, on Saturday, we were having this like family thing and I was drinking just vodka sodas and then I was getting so sleepy. So I had a rye and Coke, which I haven't had in years Zippy right up, eh? Oh, I got real zippy. (laughs) And then I just coasted with some wine. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Just to pep me up a bit. That's a lot of mixing. It was a lot. I, yeah, it was a high risk situation, but, (laughs) um, Liz, thank you so much for being so open and honest and vulnerable and candid candid that's a good yeah yeah <laughs> but not in the candid camera kind of way no i hate those shows. i know i know you hate it and i love them oh gosh um yeah, but yeah. yeah that was so great so thank you so much and check us out on everywhere <laughs> we should make a new website called everywhere.com everywhere. <laughs> check us out Ever. I feel like you could just type in I did not sign up for this. Yeah. If you if you type in I did not sign up for this in Google, we're like the first one. Shut up. Are we really? I will not shut up. It's true. I did type in I did not I did not sign up for this Apple podcast because uh-huh. I wanted to find our reviews. Oh. And it just came up with a bunch of articles of like how to unsubscribe from things. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, not what I meant. You have to say how did I? No. I did not sign up for this podcast, Apple. Yeah. That will mm-hmm. be us. That's us. Yeah. <laughs> so find us on Facebook, on TikTok. We haven't made any fun TikToks in a while. I know. We really got to get back on the TikTok. We got to get... My dog died. I was sad. I know. Your I husband just... died. You're yeah, sad. You know, yeah. it, there's a lot. But we make some TikToks. We do. And then they get no views, but then we post them on Reels on Instagram. And they, and they get, get a views. ton. Yeah. yeah. So we're on Instagram. We're on TikTok. We're on Patreon. Uh-huh. Um, please 
sign up. What? Please, it's because I've been subscribe. Please subscribe. Sign up to our Patreon. Follow us on Instagram. Send us a message. Tag us in your stories. Yeah, we just honestly love it. Do all the things. Oh, yeah. Love it. All right. All right, guys. Have Have, a great week. Have a good week. Have a a great one. Have a good week. You just have the week that you want to have. You have the week that you deserve. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh.